0: Hey everyone, Jason Torchinski here. And first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks to our new sponsor, Marble. Marble? We got got a rock to sponsor our podcast? (laughs) No, David, Marble with a capital M. It's the only all-in-one app for managing your insurance policies and getting rewarded for it. Okay,
1: all right. Well, I have a bunch of cars that I think they're all probably insured.
0: So this could Mm, help. Probably not, but Marble's great. It's fast, and it's easy to set up, as it'll put all of your different insurance policies in one place for you. It's free, which we love around here, being cheapskates, and it will automatically alert you if your rates are going to increase, probably with some kind of really loud sound. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything, as it does it for you, like a robot trained to monitor insurance. And you get marbles, which you can redeem for rewards or use to donate to charity. A marble spewing robot. Whew, that sounds great. How many marbles did you get from it? I got, let's see, be the two, 900 marbles. Uh, what do you do with that many marbles? I just put them all on a Target gift card. Okay, what'd you do at Target? What'd you get? I got a big uh, crap load of Hot Wheels.
1: I assume for uh, your child?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, for my child. Mm, okay. Well, anyway, um, okay, that sounds good. I like Hot Wheels. Uh, where do I sign up? So you just go to joinmarble.co/autopian and you start adding your policies. And not only will you be supporting this podcast, you will also get rewarded just for being a real adult and keeping on top of your insurance. Joinmarble.co/autopian is that right? Yes, David. That's
2: joinmarble.co/autopian. And they're tying it all in together. So if you own a VIN home, you got your VIN charger with your VIN car, you get discounts to go to VIN Wonders. They're like promoting it. It's a VIN lifestyle. It's like a, a McLifestyle. lifestyle. If McDonald's like created an entire universe, it would be like this.
1: Welcome to the Autopian Podcast. I'm David Tracy coming to you from Dubbo, New South Wales in Australia. We've got Bo Bachman somewhere in Southeast Asia and Jason Dorchinski in the exotic land of North Carolina. It's so exotic. Um, Right away, I'll just say, subscribe to our podcast, the Autopian Podcast, the, the ultimate car podcast for the ultimate car website, the Absolutely. Please subscribe. I, I
2: think this is a, a miracle of modern technology and uh, we just do we have a guest from Africa or anywhere else that we, we could should. Uh, pull in from?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we need to fu- we need to triangulate like the the most uh remote like relative to the three of us, the person who yeah. is the farthest away from all of us. Yes. And uh, and then bring him on. Where would that so be?
2: Vietnam, LA, Vietnam, North
3: Carolina,
1: yeah.
2: New York. North Carolina. Oh no, but I do oh, know yeah. that
1: um we gotta talk about um where we all are and uh just uh, and why. Because we're we're all here for car related reasons. Um yes. torch, yeah, you could argue. Yeah, um, sure. Absolutely. I'm here to fix up <laughs> a a Chrysler Valiant Ute. Yeah. Um a um basically if you asked me what the point of it was, I would um <laughs> it's a challenge it's an it, it, yeah it's um you know these utes they're car based pickup trucks we never got them in the u.s and I mean, we had one, el
0: caminos and Rancheros. Yeah. oh okay.
1: you're right you know what you're right we did have a couple of small car based and now we've yeah. got the ford maverick and we've got the hyundai santa cruz the
0: subaru brat might have counted back in the Ranchero. day too, right? you know what yeah you're we, right we had that, some
2: They you did what? take did off like that
0: yeah, right. I always exactly. thought the brat was so
2: cool because they had Brumby. the handles. You could you
0: could be the, in the seats, the chicken tack seats in the back.
2: Oh.
0: So so good. When I'm when gonna get kid, one. I'm gonna review. To
2: ride in those? That's like impossible to get away with today. Oh no, no we'll there's, one, there's no seats. No. Anyone have a brat? That's what we gotta find. Out. So, oh, I, I have I a lead on him. We're in Australia.
1: It's you, uh, It's called yeah. the Brumby, and oh. um, I, I drove one. And it was a a special edition that was sold at a farm um, show. <laughs> they made like a thousand and sold them at the farm shows. You had to, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, wow. Anyway, these Utes are great they're And I don't really know why they didn't really pick up in the U S because the reason why they like them here in Australia is because you get utility. There are a lot of farmers out here. It's a huge country, not unlike the U S but you, you know, you can take your pigs to market on, you know, Saturday or Friday or whatever, and then go to church on Sunday, they say. So it's like, it's a good ride. And there's still utility anyway. I bought one and of these basically things. that's what a maverick
2: is today, though. If you think about yeah, it. it, it's true. You can it take your true. pigs. But it to took church. us long enough. Your maverick. I, yeah.
1: Hey. Yeah, it took us a long time to really warm up to the whole you know unibody truck thing. But
2: I still anyway, want um, them to find us a brat though. And just for those who've never seen it, you got a single <laughs> cab and a little truck, and there yeah. were two seats with no seatbelts or anything in they the back backwards. Room. So the,
0: it's backwards. Back. So yeah, the back of you is is up against the rear window of the truck and they're like rubber seats and they have two handles that are like BM bike rubber grips on either side, no seat belts. No seat, just hang on for dear effing life. And And you know know why, why, right? right? You know why they did those? Because it was the chicken tax. They had to be able to say it was a passenger vehicle and not a truck. So they say, no, clearly this is a four passenger car. There's two seats in the back, for your kids. And that was uh, yeah, it's all ridiculous chicken tax stuff. Anyway, go ahead, David. Were there really all no right. seat
2: belts in those in the back? No, there's
0: just gripper Ooh. handles.
2: This is the <laughs> 70s, my friend. You weren't born yet, but uh, we didn't care about safety or yeah, children back then.
0: Life was cheap, David. <laughs> oh yes. lord. Parents didn't love their kids until like 1990. So it was easy.
2: Oh, they loved us. They just didn't care who we were or what we did or if we lived. <laughs>
0: Anyway,
1: I'm not gonna give too much of an update on my build. Uh, it started from a, a shell with no engine, no transmission, and frankly, n- nothing. No no windshield, missing a door, m- whatever. Um, and it's been a grind. You'll have to follow on the Autopia.com or our YouTube channel. Bo, what's going on in Southeast Asia? That's what I wanna know. Yeah, why are you <laughs> there?
2: So I was invited on, let's just say one of the most unusual trips of my life. Uh, I was invited to visit the VinFast factory, Drive the new Vinfast uh, uh, VF8 and check out the VF9. See where they're being built and really get a tour of the Vin Group, which is the largest company in in Vietnam. And uh, Vinfast, there is their is their car arm. They build hotels, resorts, amusement parks, housing, apartments. I mean, I. It's a mind-blowing uh, the size of this company. Um, so it was a tour to kind of show us that this company is serious. Uh, they're big. They're coming to America in a big way. They bought property in North Carolina. They're going to be building a facility yeah. to, to uh, bring their uh, electric vehicles there. Uh, so Vin Group is uh, they and VinFast. They start off building gasoline cars and now they're pure EVs and coming to America. So. I got an invitation and, and how could I pass that up? So I'm getting, I got a tour of, uh, of the VIN group and everything they're doing and a little bit of Vietnam and uh, VIN fast. And I can kind of give you an update uh, before I give my little story. And you've driven, right? you've driven this car, right? So is this the one you drove, the VF9? This is the, uh, the VF9. So this is the larger seven passenger that's coming, I don't know, maybe a year after or so. And um, again, this is where you can buy or lease the vehicle and then you lease the battery, which is right. kind of a unique uh, uh, selling point we about that, actually.
0: Oh. I'm sorry? We actually wrote an article about that, kind of going yes. back and forth in this battery leasing thing, because it's an interesting idea that I think has some merit, although I don't know if they're executing it exactly like I'd want, but there's something there. I think it
2: does have merit. Um, And, you know, they talk about recycling the batteries afterwards and using them for, you know, storages, purposes and like, you know, battery fields and things like that, which does make sense for battery um, recycling and and those types of deals. So it does make sense uh, whether American buyers uh, dig that or not. I remains to be seen. It's a a unique thought. Um, But, you know, we'll see. Can you say what you thought of the car? Did they make you sign anything or can you talk about it? Well, they actually, it, it was this, it, you want me to tell you about how I, how I got there a little bit? Yeah, do it. it. It's kind of interesting. So I get this invitation to this bin group, and it's, it's through actually mutual friends. So strangely, I didn't go as an automotive journalist. I didn't go as an automotive dealer. I kind of went as a fly on the wall to check this all out. So you get this invitation. It's a private charter to Vietnam, to, you know, first of all, the focus is to visit VinFast and, and drive the VF8, uh, but also to see kind of the scope of Vin VinGroup, uh, see who they are as a company, because they're the largest company in Vietnam, and uh, kind of get an idea of who they are, because they're, you know, they're going full board to, to bring this car to America, and and, uh, uh, and they're already open, I think, at six showrooms in California. So, I mean, they're, they're coming in strong, so... Uh, I, <clears throat> I get over and, um, and the, the first thing we do is we get to this amazing resort, which is a VIN resort. it's by the way, it's like McDonald's, right? So everything instead of Mick, like Mick play place and everything is VIN. Wow. So this is like a, a VIN resort and everything's VIN, VIN, VIN. So this is like feels a like VIN a VIN Disney owned
0: GM kind of maybe It
2: it, that is a really interesting way of putting it yes it's like there definitely is a walt disney-esque element to things but they're also home builders uh they they're building schools they built a university that i visited they're building i mean so so we visited these places and you've seen these kind of ghost cities in in china yeah so we visited they're they're ghosts because they're not finished yet but literally tens of thousands of apartment buildings being built all at once. So we would go and, and uh, so we stayed at this little resort island, which they own of course, this beautiful resort. So they're just getting us acclimated the first night. And then we go visit like these cities that they're building. And I mean, we go to these, I mean, it's a full on lake that they built with seawater and sand from beaches with thousands. I mean, tens of thousands, right? I don't even know how many apartment buildings and apartments that are being built with high rises and million dollar homes all on this lake and nobody there. I
0: don't understand how and, that and works.
2: How do well, you build and, this and, stuff before? like, OK, but, so there is a logic to it. So okay. I'm during the pandemic, a lot of people from Hanoi uh, moved out of the city and went back to their home villages. And now they're trying to get people to come back to get back to work. But they don't want everybody moving in the city because the city's too crowded. So what they're doing is they're building suburbs. So these are just outside of Hanoi. And they're, I mean, so it it does make sense, but they've got to fill them. So they want people to come back but not move into the city. And they're absolutely beautiful. I mean, I'm talking about carts for children that are huge. I I mean, it looks like a beautiful place to, you know, kind of grow up and live. I mean, but it's not there yet. It's just being built. So it's funny because they finished the water parks. Like I visited a full like raging water water park and we were like the only people there. I mean, it just opened and I almost got knocked over by a wave. I dropped my phone in the water. I thought my whole life was over at at a moment. Um, And then they... uh, then they take us to Vinn University, which they just opened two years ago, and they want to be one of the top 50 universities, you know, private universities in the world in the you know, first few years. Uh, now, again, no students because school doesn't open until next month. So it's like an empty university that we visited, but you know, extremely impressive. Um, and then we finally go to visit the you know the factory. But, you know, my mind's being blown because the size yes. of this company is, is and the variety of what they do is impossible to imagine. So then there's Vin Wonders, which is like a full amusement park. But there's not just one, there's like several. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute as well. So uh, 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 anyway, we just get like blown away with the size and scope of this company. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen. And we don't have a company in America to compare it against. I mean, it must have been like after World War II, we were building like tons of homes and everything like that. uh, It must have been like that combined with Disneyland. um, Yeah, just just insane. So uh, and extremely impressive. So that was kind of get some uh, urban planners who might be watching this to let us know is
0: the ideal way to design a city is you build your water parks first and then fill everything in after that? Because that feels that feels right to me.
2: Well, Jesus. I guess it is. You know, they, they show that it's already there for people to move into because it, it's yeah. beautiful, like, yeah, and very attractive. Oh yeah, look uh, at this!
0: Wait, did you see something like this? This is Vin Wonders.
2: Did yeah, you see the that? turtle? Yes, giant turtle. I did not to the giant turtle. <laughs> I I turtle. Giant turtle and, and actually, the last place I was on was on a pro- an island that they own with five resorts, with this Vin Wonders on it, with <laughs> its own aquarium, its own zoo, its own like crazy shows and everything. Five of the cars were
0: there too, did you see the cars? If you scroll down Vin- David, they had the actual Vin cars there also. It's like an a tra- oh, see. So they're promoting yeah. that right there too.
2: Huh. And they and they're tying it all in together. So if you own yeah. a Vin home, you got your Vin Charger with your Vin car, you get discounts to go to Vin Wonders. They're like promoting George. it's a lifestyle. It's like a a McLife style. If McDonald's like created an entire universe, it would be like this
0: remember celebration florida there was that disney plan community
2: yes oh, probably David. most similar to like disney world would be the closest thing it, oh. and it, it, if disney also built like a hundred thousand apartments
0: jesus what
2: were you saying yes.
0: yeah.
2: i don't know it, this is
1: maybe a parallel it's not quite right but this is remind you of anything uh the uh the whole building a resort uh and then tying it to cars and giving discounts and all that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Wait, why is that familiar? gives off some KDF. Oh God. Yes. Oh yeah. The last time this was tried was the KDF, the strength through joy uh, facility and the Germans were doing it in world war two. Because you had your KDF wagon and then there were the KDF resorts and everything was like uh, together. You're right. That is the darkest possible interpretation, David. But it is yeah. kind of close. I wouldn't put it, it wasn't that dark. <laughs> <laughs> but the
1: idea right. of like building this sort of utopian world for citizens. That we're going to make the cars yeah. and then you'll have this like resort to go to. And it's right.
2: amazing. Exactly. Because the whole tagline of Vin Group is to, and I, I'm going to I'm going to mangle it here, but to pro- provide a better life for the Vietnamese. I mean, yeah. Then it changed now to promote a better life for people. So now they're venturing from helping just Vietnam to now helping the world through electric vehicles. So that is their motto, and what they're trying to do is improve the lives of the Vietnamese people. And to their credit, it would appear as that though that is what they're they're doing and working and completely investing in. So the money that they they earned uh, in their in their first uh, outing, they're now reinvesting in the country and doing everything they can to promote uh, Vietnam. So, so, so what anyway. is it about electric? What is it about electric cars that it, it,
1: it sort of allows new players to yes. enter the industry in a way that? before, you know, ICE vehicles were, I mean, look, the last like major car company that built gasoline cars was what Chrysler in the U S 1920s,
0: like, uh, like all new gasoline, making their own engines and everything. Shit. when would that boy. be? Well, that's the last
1: American uh, was 100 years ago. It was a long time ago, but now as the world you know begins to electrify, we're starting to see all sorts of new entrants into the country. Um, you know, American car companies and and foreign car companies. And
0: it yeah, the barrier exciting. to entry is less. Like, I feel like you can, like things are more componentized and modular. So it's not like you have to set up an engine foundry to get something started. It's, it's easier to get into it. I think than it used to be for.
2: Yeah, and the technology is available out there now. And um, yeah. yes. It, and people don't have the, I think they're open to new companies right now and trying new things. I think Tesla obviously approved that and, and you know they've earned a, a good reputation in, in what they've done uh so it's uh it is it's the it's the gold rush and the the, the second wave of the car manufacturers Because i mean how many hundreds were there around at the dawn of uh, of the automobile and this is the dawn of the electric automobile
0: honda came pretty late david i'm trying to think of like uh, oh yeah
1: they opened in 79, I think, in Ohio, Marysville, right?
0: Well, yeah, well, I mean, even Honda, because Honda before. was motorcycles up until long after World War II. And I think their actual first car, that N6, the end well, the end like the, the 500 and the 360, like those guys didn't come until the 60s.
2: Yeah, because a lot came after World War II. And I'm trying to think right, you know, after World War II, you know, car when was it? I can't recall
0: yeah, the S five hundred, well, the S three hundred and sixty. I guess that was, I mean, it was early sixties for Honda, but they're maybe the most recent yeah. for the major ICE cars, huh? That's an interesting question. Anyway, yeah,
1: no, no, lots of new players. It's, um, it is exciting. Okay, so that is.
2: So, here, the, <coughs> so I toured the the, the Vinfast, uh factory. And I have to say, extremely impressive. They were talking about, you know, what companies from Germany came over and built them.
0: Yeah. But again... Magna was working with them, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Magna and I forget the the other German company. But um, uh, again, it is like incomprehensibly massive. And I took some pictures and video, so hopefully I'll get a chance to share it. Uh, they're probably set up to build 200,000 cars a year in, in, initially. Whoa. So, I mean, they're starting off and, you know, maybe... 2% of the factory was, was operational because they're just now building the, the prototypes. So again, no, right? it's like this-
0: They're showing huge. some already in Europe, right? Like you can buy a VIN- a, a Not yet. Vin. Not yet, okay. Oh,
2: combustion, yes.
0: Yeah, you can buy and combustion Vin Vin fast
2: cars. cars. And, and yeah. their whole thing was, they, they wanted to build EVs in the beginning, but they didn't know how, so they started building gasoline cars so that they could learn how to build cars. And then switch to EV. So their thought process is right with a lot of things that they've done, and again, extremely impressive with uh, how dedicated they are and, and working at it. So uh, the factory tour was was fascinating. Again, we and we could take pictures anywhere, but the battery technology area that they took us huh. through it, but we couldn't take pictures. Uh, and then we got to do a a, a a pretty short test drive, and unfortunately, you know, after going halfway around the world. I was hoping to spend quite a bit of time with it, but it was, it was pretty fast and they had a, a track that it went on and I'll do a write-up on it and, and let you guys know about the, the whole experience. But uh, I have to say, you know, I've driven a lot of prototypes. I've driven a lot of cars, you know, before they come out uh, at different stages. Uh, and this is the, the final iteration of the prototype and the fit and finish was was there? You know, I didn't get a chance to, to really inspect every car, uh, but it had excellent fit and finish. Um, the the drive it was incredibly smooth, um, not fast, and and that was a little surprising for a for an EV. because so I thought it'd be you know more yeah. power off the line and you know hitting it. Yeah, I'm kind of used to driving a Polestar that's really performance oriented, um, but it was acceptable. So um, uh, very acceptable for driving a, an SUV. Uh, it handled well. I mean, it, it really drove like an OEM car. And, and that's what I think that the most impressive thing was. I mean, I've driven cars. I remember like, you know, in 09, '10, when they had the other way coming, there were companies like Koda, or if you remember oh, them, yeah. but they had good. a, yeah. a, a oh, Chinese Mitsubishi EV. They were sad. I go, oh, I got there to drive it. And it was like, this is worse than any golf cart I've driven. Like, you've got to <laughs> yeah. be kidding me. And of course, they didn't yeah. last very long. Uh, this was not that. I mean, they they are uh, invested, committed. Uh, they've got people uh, uh, that are, you know, expertise in, in these fields and they're going for it. I mean, building the, the, the plant in North Carolina. They've got six dealerships open in California now. Uh, they're doing a direct model sale. Um, so it that was uh, going to be right
0: near me. It's just one County over where they're planning to build it yeah. in Chatham mm-hmm. County. So it's, we'll be able to go check it out and see what the hell's going on. Cause I'm, I'm very curious.
2: So they're mm-hmm. putting all their chips in and, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's something that Americans would, uh, uh would, uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoy. I, I think at the price point comes in quite a bit lower, uh, cause you know, they're kind of going for that premium segment and, you know, maybe. 15, 20 grand less than a BMW or something like that. So, yeah. you know, I think they've uh, they, they've got they've got something to go on. So there's there's something real. But the trip just kept getting kind of more unusual and weirder. And again, it's kind of that perspective of what they think American entertainment is, like Disneyland, but their own spin on it. That just kind of mm-hmm. is just a little bit different from what we're used to. So I'll enjoy sharing some of the pictures and and videos from the trip because. Some of it just you can't explain in words because it's just absolutely crazy. So oh boy, all right, wow, that's, that's 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 why I'm in Vietnam.
1: <laughs> that is cool. That is this. It's a company that's doing cars and resorts. Uh, that is that is pretty absurd. So yeah. we got me in Australia. We have got Bo hanging out in Vietnam. Uh, what's going on in um,
0: North Carolina, Torch? Huge things. Every day is a new triumph. Something new and unexpected. That's not 100% true. Uh North Carolina is pretty much just holding holding fast like always. Um I'm waiting uh, hopefully we'll have new batteries for the Chang Lee. That's one big project we we're hoping our battery uh our battery sponsor Optima as we've been talking to them about getting some new batteries for the Chang Lee so we get that going again. I have had a lot of press vehicles uh that I need to write reviews on. Uh, right now I've got the Volvo uh the, the C40, the EV one. Uh, I've had that one Let's be honest. What's that? Let's be honest. Every press vehicle you get is just because you don't have a car that actually runs. Only partially. (laughs) My truck does run currently. I put a new tensioner on the truck, so it does run fine. I could drive the truck. It is. It is operational. I don't. So it's not just because of that. Partially. Uh
1: Yeah. Grinding through gears. Okay. All right. It did.
0: I most of the times I shift, it doesn't grind at all. Like. Right. Most of the okay, time. well no, look,
1: the Changly update is what we really needed. And, yeah, you know, and it's we, gonna,
0: we're going to have a big Changli update soon. All right. Weird,
1: so, weird acids. Yes. Okay, let's go through uh some stories that did well this week on the Utopian. Um uh Torch. Yours about Kit from Night Rider. Yeah. Which is a show I do know, for the record. Good. That's oh. amazing. <laughs> All right, today I learned that Kit from Knight Rider had a rubber shell and there was a VW powered one. What do you mean, a rubber shell?
0: Okay, so this is fat. Okay, so what I like about this is it's one of those ideas that seems so basic and stupid. It shouldn't be real, but it is. Like, so they do a lot of stunts with Kit. Like, Kit, the whole point of that show on Knight Rider was that this talking Trans Am ran into shit and did stunts and drove around. They have a sentient too, right? It was, it was sentient. It had that dude who was the doctor in St. Elsewhere who did the voice. It was a sentient robot car. So it drove around, talked, and ran into crap. Now, oh, my gosh. I had no idea. Hold on. Hold on. Don't get there yet, David. Wait, wait. Because wait, that's, okay. that's the second part. Up, so the first part is... <laughs> They all had a limited number of these transams because they were new at the time and they didn't have they only had like five of them. So to keep them from getting all beat to hell, they made they cast a rubber mold of the whole body, and the car wore it like armor. So they would put like four or five guys would lift this heavy rubber black body so put it right on top of kit of the trans am and then when they run into shit it would run you would bounce off this rubber body and it wouldn't get all dinged up so david scroll down a little bit and if you're watching Night rider ever look at look at actually yeah if you look at this picture if you look at the windshield the times when the windshield pillar looks thicker like it looks thick and it looks Ooh. like the windshield is set back that's when it's wearing its rubber shell and so in the very beginning, they had a whole body shell and they had a new a nose. And then uh, Pontiac changed the look of the Trans Am and they updated it. And instead of making a new nose, if you scroll down, David, they, they, they just thought, screw it. And in the later ones, you could see it's very obvious there is no nose part of that shell. And you can very much tell it's wearing something over it. So that I thought was amazing because it seems like such a basic idea. Let's just cover the car in rubber. And that's literally what they did. Now, wait, so this gap here between the hood and the nose yeah. is because the, the hood has rubber over it and the nose doesn't. Right. The nose and the nose is like a replaceable, uh, you know, it was a rubber bumper anyway. So I guess it wasn't quite as bad. And there's the shell itself. You can see uh, what's his name? Hasselhoff yeah. sitting there yeah. in the How shell. How can you forget David Hasselhoff? I, I remember it. I was almost called Michael Knight, but David Hasselhoff, is yeah, there in the, the, the rubber dream. shell. And so, okay, so that alone I think is amazing. I've never heard of a rubber shell being placed over a car for anything like this. And then I learned whenever they jumped kit really high or they did a really difficult stunt that was going to really mess up the car, they didn't use a Trans Am at all because the Trans Am was too heavy, too expensive. There weren't enough of them. But Southern California in the 80s, what there were plenty of that were plenty rugged were beetles. They were everywhere. So they took one of these rubber body shells and scroll down a little here, David. And they basically, this is a beetle Pam. You can see the standard Jeez. beetle front suspension it's just they made like a sand rail style beetle out of it with a tube frame body engines in the back there you can see it's got a little snorkel for air intake it's got kit's wheels a massive front overhang thing and then they just hung one of the rubber bodies on it and this is the car that they used for like the big jumps the stunts anything where it was going to really get worked over it's just a beetle under there which i think is absolutely incredible i love it now torch you watched
2: knight rider growing up right Sure. Of course I did. I didn't ruin the appreciation of the finer things. Yeah. Yeah. I I watched it like it's probably my favorite show at that time. You know, I watched every episode with bated breath and everything. Did you ever notice anything off about Kit? No, but I think the reason was TV was
0: crap. Like old yes. CRT TV low, like regular definition TV with 525 lines. You could get away with so much more when it's moving on the crap TVs, especially like ours, where we didn't even have cable for a while. And you had antennas. You were lucky to see anything, frankly. I well, think can I little, get away
2: with it. I'll give you a little insider insider hint or a little, yeah. little insider information. All the cars in these movies for Hollywood are like that. The, yeah. the, When I did Pimp My Ride, that's when I discovered how forgiving the camera is. You know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds to you, but it is so forgiving on these cars that they build in Hollywood, it's unbelievable. And the crap that you think, you you think you're you're seeing some beautiful car on the screen, it is usually just a shell and a piece of crap and you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) I've been to these studios that build these cars and we couldn't do it because they're done so poorly, we would be embarrassed. (laughs) <laughs> but the camera for even on a high definition movie, you'd be shocked at how bad the cam the the picture vehicles usually are. It's it's it, amazing, it, it's crazy. But it's amazing what your eye will forgive and oh, not yeah. notice when you're you know lost in the fantasy of the show. But these cars are usually just crap.
0: I mean, when you look at these pictures of the rubber body, it seems obvious that this car is something weird is
2: going on. But on
0: an old TV, when it's moving at 30 frames a second, no, I,
2: high def movie, it's the same thing. I'm telling really? you, if you freeze, well, <laughs> take a movie with a car in it, freeze frame it, and you'll go, "Holy shit, look how bad that car is, man! <laughs>
1: it,
0: it's it's unbelievable." I also remember, you, you watched the Dukes of Hazard too. I imagine, right? Of course. So almost every one of those jumps with their charger, when the thing lands, it almost always buckles in a way that looks like it is completely destroyed. Like if you pause it, it's like bent, and then you know they're climbing out of it, and it's just fine. But yeah, no no one gave a shit; it was fine. Anyway, I thought it was fascinating. I'd love. I don't think any of those rubber bodies. I have to say,
1: like famous car, looks like. Looks like a Trans Am, but is a bug with a fake body. Oh, that's, that's not great. just a
0: fake I body, a rubber body, which just feels like it makes it even better. I love it. It is yeah. better. Well, that's you know
1: what? You've actually you've written some pretty great stories this past week. Oh, one of which uh one of which is a claim that you only need 50 horsepower to get by in modern
0: traffic. Yeah. Okay, now I should qualify this a little because I did do some. So the reason I say this is because I've been driving cars with about 50 horsepower for decades. Uh, My Beetle, when I was in L.A., I drove it all over L.A. That thing only made about 50 horsepower. Uh, I still have the Beetle, but my main go to daily driver for years since I've been out here has been my Nissan Pow, which makes 52 horsepower. And. It's fine. I have never had a problem where I couldn't do something or get somewhere because I have like a quarter the horsepower of an average car. It just doesn't happen. I can do 70 to 75 in the highway. People talk about they're afraid to merge. It's never been a problem. I've never not been able to merge in a 50 horsepower car now. I The weight of these cars is low. Both the Beetle and the Pal weigh about 1,800 pounds. So scrolling down in the article, I did do some math and say what that comes out to is about 30 some odd pounds per horsepower. So in a modern car that weighs 2,500, 3,000 pounds, I was saying like one 115 or so uh would, would get by, which again is tiny compared to today. But the thing, it's not fast, but it's also just not that slow. The 30 pound per horsepower thing you're fine. It will work just fine. And people who say, look, I'm not saying more horsepower is bad. It's a blast. It's wonderful. But if you're saying you can't get by because you're calling or you're afraid to merge, that's on you. You absolutely can do it. I, I just, you know, I believe this to be true.
2: Okay. I, I will uh, agree with it in kind in one way, but I do have a couple of questions. Okay, okay sure. Yes. You're in North Carolina. I imagine things are, are rather flat there. Would that, would that be accurate? Oh, no, we have hills. And keep in mind, I was in L.A. Well, almost 20 years driving. That I was going to get out. at that. OK. like, you know, like the 405, the hill there, like going, you know, uh, from the valley to L.A. Like,
3: yeah, that would
2: be my concern or the grapevine. So maybe it's not horsepower, but what's the torque? that's the minimum to go with it because I got to get up that hill and I've been in a car or two that I struggled to get up that hill and that was free so other than the hill I'll agree with you but what about that hill the grapevine is an unusual case and I
0: have driven my beetle in the grapevine and I do remember struggling to make 50 (laughs) like maybe I was at 45 and you're just in the lane with all the trucks for that but it's but that's that's an extreme circumstance. You're not on the grapevine all the time. And I just, I even okay, with that in mind. In the valley? Yes, the valley, I don't ever remember. I don't, all those years of driving, I, I can't think of a time where I felt genuinely like I just can't get where I need to go because of all these hills. And there's certainly steep hills Man. in the, even in like the Silver Lake Hills or the Hollywood Hills. There's certainly some of those crazy ass hills that are so steep. You're just not going that fast up them, but you don't really want to because it's a residential neighborhood and they're narrow. Like I've, it's just never been an issue. That's the thing is my experience is 50 horsepower in an 1800 pound car, 30 pounds per horsepower. You're fine. I can't figure out what I could, have, I've missed out that I couldn't have done. I think, I, I think
1: for most um, driving scenarios, it's probably fine. I mean, this is like having a, an F-150 Raptor that ha- has 190 horsepower, um, yeah. which, you yeah. know, is, you know, that's a 5,700 pound truck. Right. Less than 200 horsepower. That'd be a little rough. But for most people, it's fine. It, it It's like, the problem is like, if you build a car around its extreme use case, which which is what automakers do, you know, they, to to certify a car for a certain tow rating, um, you know, it has to be able to do it, It has to, has to have these certain attributes. The downside to that is most cars are overbuilt for most applications. Um, and you know, people aren't buying 50 horsepower cars. They're just not, but you're not even a
0: You're not like your engine when you're not revving it of maximum, whatever, you're not making its maximum power all the time while you're driving. Are you? So, like, is it possible that many people are driving around using, making about this amount of horsepower in just their day to day driving anyway? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Like, ba- depending upon the
1: vehicle, like you can look at highway cruising horsepower numbers, and they're like the twenty, twenty to fifty horsepower. You, you know, uh, you can I mean, thirty I'm to
2: 30 my horsepower, man.
1: I, am not a cruiser, I guess. You no, know, it's the acceleration, really, with that you that you'd really yes. miss.
2: But yeah, yeah, you're like go scary. fast I want to feel like it go fast at least from a you know from zero at the red light to 60 or whatever the speed limit is uh, that's 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 my chance to like have a little bit of fun I,
0: I would also argue on a light car with low power you feel like you're going faster and you feel like
1: you're
2: that's having true.
0: It. like yes, you drove yeah I
1: drove the uh mighty Boy Suzuki mighty Boy oh yeah' that yeah. Thing- it makes like 20
0: horsepower, but 500 cc's, right? Yeah, but you feel, because it's tiny and light, you feel like you're tearing ass because you're revving the key, high. and Actually, the, the key to making this
1: work, obviously, besides the low curb weight, is the manual transmission with an that, automatic, automatic at all.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good point because both yeah. all the cars I've driven, 50 horsepower or less, have been manuals. I know, and I've driven a POW that has the automatic, and it is a different situation. That's actually a good point. Yeah, an automatic okay. will suck for a minute, yeah. Next story of yours Yeah, is about how
1: a Ford apparently oh, did yeah. all the hard work that led to Chrysler's
0: minivan, the
1: revolutionary. Yeah, this is a,
2: a, a heartbreaker for Ford.
0: This is an amazing story, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think part of it was well-known, and the part I reported on here was something that was new to me. So, all right, so Lee Iacocca was at Ford. He was, you know, of course, father of the Mustang and all this stuff. And one of the other projects was they wanted something called a garageable van And it was a project called the Ford Carousel, which was to make a small van. This is the part people mostly know about. This was using the same drivetrain as the Econoline. So you had front engine, rear drive. Packaging-wise, not necessarily ideal for what would become a minivan. But what I and then the story usually is they talks about the carousel and they talk about how Iacocca grabbed his team when he was fired from Ford and went over to Chrysler. And from there, he championed the minivan that became like the Chrysler Voyager, the Dodge or Dodge Caravan, all of those things that really saved Chrysler's bacon in the 80s. And those were front wheel drive minivans. And the packaging wise, they were great because everything was up front. Everything behind that front wheel was available for flat floor room. What I didn't.
2: And by realize, the way, can I just, can I just yes. note what being shown here is? It's quite a homely vehicle. It it kind of reminds me of a bulldog, like this flat face, <laughs> kind of ugly, but maybe a little bit cute in a weird, well, ironic way. Let's see, yeah, the, that's the, interesting. So
0: this this thing you're pointing out, Bo, is uh, there's a it's called the Minimax. The yeah, the next one. No, the next one, go the next one up because keep going the one more because it's okay. There you so go, the Minimax yeah. was a project at Ford that came parallel to the carousel, but a different team, where they were actually using the Fia, the Fiesta platform from Ford of Germany, front transverse front-wheel drive package, and they were building these things called Minimaxes, which was like a little van, so short, stumpy hood, tall, but the Jeez. basic layout was what went to Chrysler. And this first version that Bo's talking about, let me describe it to you, because I think it's amazing. Picture like Mustang two style bumpers, stacked headlights. It all feels a little Mustang two-ish in vocabulary. But Bo, I don't know if you're seeing this. The key to this one is look on the side of that car. What do you see there? There's a graphic that goes up all the way across the side. So for you you're you just listening. Eagle? Picture yes. It's a little squat small van, but the and it's kind of like a deep orange copper and then in gold is an eagle that has its head by the right by the front fender and extends all the way back to the entire length of the car like these stretched out wings and I think that's uh
2: fantastic. Yeah. It's you know somewhere. what else is interesting about this picture? I don't ever think I've seen a concept car with a custom paint job like this before. That's a good like point. With a graphic? That seems so odd. It does seem, yeah, now that you mention
0: maybe the Firebirds did, but, but this is a minivan, yeah. which is also kind of crazy. And then later versions of it, they got, you know, they made them a little tidier and a little less uh, crazy looking. But fundamentally, what makes this interesting is this is a front-wheel drive, Minivan. They were considering putting them as like a a Pinto. And if you look at this picture, David, scroll up a little. So there's a picture of the rear. That floor is flat. There is a ton of room in this little thing. And it's got a tailgate that like folds out into a ramp. Packaging wise, it's great. And packaging wise, it's very close to what Chrysler ended up doing. Chrysler was smart and put a sliding door on the side, which this didn't have. But I'd never seen these before. And I didn't realize just how close to the later Chrysler vans Ford had actually done. And apparently even a prototype was was stuck away in the warehouse that the when they moved to Chrysler, they had access to. So Ford really did the heavy lifting it feels like for what oh. became Chrysler minivans. Yeah.
2: I've never seen these uh, uh, concepts before either. I think it's fun that Ford's releasing so many things now or maybe I just never saw them. But I remember my father really lamenting this when, you know, Chrysler really took off and had the minivan. He's like, no, Ford had that all developed. (laughs) Lee had the whole team, the whole team left. and took the whole project with them. And of course, you know, they were selling like hotcakes. And, and, uh, you know, we were trying to catch up with an Aerostar a few years later. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, The Aerostar was rear drive,
0: too, right? The Aerostar wasn't even front wheel drive, I don't think. That's right. Rear wheel drive. Yeah.
2: You can get it with a stick shift which makes it cool. Yeah. I yes, you know, I am,
0: I am a proud
1: owner of the that that first Chrysler minivan. Technically, the the refresh, but the same platform, the same, yeah. you know, the first minivan. Uh first minivan. It's not really true, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have to say it really is a triumph. I mean, in it so is. many ways, it is such a great vehicle. And I totally get why in the 80s and 90s everyone was buying these things because they're so small. Like
0: here's a picture packaging, of on the
1: screen. The packaging so is
0: so small. good on it though. Like it really it's is edible. a big empty box after those front wheels. And then you can do whatever in
2: there. It is, it is extremely well packaged. And that's why these things work so well. Well, if you're a normal human being, you commit to yourself when you're young that you will never drive a minivan no matter what happens in life. <laughs> and then if you have more than two kids uh, if it happened like like my family, we we took a vacation. My wife took a vacation, rented a minivan because there was nothing else available, and went. Oh, geez, this works and There's so much pass, so good that you can't pass it up. If you got these kids and utility and need to do things, even yeah. though it's horrifyingly ugly and non cool and you know all that kind of stuff. Although, Are they really bad.
0: less cool than a modern SUV? Though is a Wrangler or a CRV? Is a are they any cooler than a modern minivan? And I just
2: don't think they are. Like, no, I, get the damn minivan. SUVs are the are the modern minivan. Right, are. and they don't do it as well. They're high. They they the sliding the door room inside. Yeah, the sliding doors a big
1: deal, especially in the city. Otherwise, you're just going to get door dings. You're going to have to leave notes on yep. cars because you're eight year old. You put a dent in. You know, Alexis, it's not worth it. You yeah. Get a minivan, sliding doors. They you know. Make- yeah, anyway, the problem with minivans is that once they're about 10 years old, they're completely useless because nobody wants to use minivan for their kids because it's not <laughs> safe. But anyway. All right. Moving on to the next story. Yeah. The oh, average yeah. new car. This is a classic Torchinski post.
0: Yeah. How do you actually figure out what the average new car face looks like? Jason. Okay. So whenever we would go to auto shows, I would get uh, one of our photographers, in this case, Mercedes did it for us to take as many pictures of the fronts of cars as is possible. And then using Photoshop has the ability, you can layer these all together and Photoshop will do the mathematical average of all the layers. And you can either do a mean or median, which is two different kinds of averages. But what this gives you is generally a sense of what's so basically the stuff that shows up over and over again will be more prominent. And as a result, you get an idea of what the general look of cars are right now. And I've been doing this. I did it in 2014, 2017, 2018, and then now, and you can see it has changed. And what we are looking at in 2022, I thought actually it looked a little bit like an old Jaguar, like a, one of those early 2000s Jaguar, uh, XKs a little bit to me, but you've, we've got, we're back to a wide grill, Headlights have kind of moved up into the corners. Still fairly rounded. Um, You know, uh, belt lines have gotten a little higher. It's interesting. It looks like when you just look yeah. at this average car, it looks like an average car. And you, can, it's interesting to see how it's changed. I'll do a similar... Is this one a car,
2: car or does it... No SUVs, correct?
0: Yeah, I did this separate. These are just car cars. Uh, okay. Sedans, sports cars, whatever. And I'm going to do a separate one for SUVs and trucks. And I bet we're going to see... A uh, pretty big difference is in SUVs and trucks because I bet we're going to get a lot yeah. more aggressive grill kind of treatments. But this SUV looks like
2: a Mercedes.
0: Well, and yeah. b- badges are prominent now again because we've seen yeah. a strong circular badge in yeah. the middle of the grill that a lot of companies are playing with, and I think part of that is to hide things like radar emitters and cameras, yeah. and the the badge just becomes a convenient place to stuff that things in there without without it looking
2: weird. Yeah, it's interesting. So average car looks average. The average car looks average. There's a the big shocker.
1: There's, big, There's big, the insight. Big... here at the Utopian podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right, right, let's. we need to talk about some Airstreams, but to do that, we're going to have to bring on a man who has written the most popular post in Autopian history.
3: Matt! Matt. You around, right. Matt? Hey, everybody. I waved, which I realized it's not work on a podcast. Hi, everybody.
0: Uh, we to describe it. <laughs> Matt extended his arm and his hand flopped back
3: and forth, seductively. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) Uh, I just want to, before we talk about Airstreams, I want to talk about family mobiles since we're talking about minivans. Earlier on, the question was, who remembers a brat? And I remember a brat because my parents owned, when I I was taken home from the hospital in a Volkswagen Beetle, like a lot of kids, uh, Mm -hmm. back in the early 80s, and they thought it was not a good family car. And so somehow the family car they ended up with was a Subaru Brat. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's good
3: yeah and, that's a
0: much wiser choice
3: i mean we lived on the beach basically or really close to the beach in uh in southern texas and so it sort of made sense and then they realized like okay that was like i would sit in the middle between them basically or on a lap and then they decided okay well that doesn't make sense and so the next move was an Isuzu impulse because my well, parents are really super wrong. weird Wow. It's funny, you know. Crazy. I brought
0: my um my kid back from the hospital in a VW Beetle, an original Beetle in 2010, also. So that's still tradition. But we did not move to a brat, which is I I would love to hear the conversation your parents were so having when they decided let's get something with instead of two seats that could be dangerous with a back seat, let's just do something with just one seat instead. No, oh, I think you're you gonna hang on. You
2: know, they'll, I think, yeah, they'll yeah, survive. <laughs>
1: They, they, they went to the dealer and they were they brought Matt and they were like, "What car should we own?" And the dealer said, "Brat." And that was that.
2: No, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: they said,
3: "Brat for a brat." I like the idea that my friend, my parents went to a dealer. There's no way that they, because they, my parents rarely had money, so it was definitely like a friend or someone had to have had it. Like once yeah. I, I went home I went to college and I borrowed their car because my car wasn't running so well and my old escort and I came back and I was like where's my car and they're like we traded it for house paint someone's gonna paint the house and they took the car
0: (laughs) traded it for house paint that's like some gift of the magi shit right there oh my god yeah wow
3: very oh Henry with my parents and car so anyways uh I have we've (laughs) we've moved on in life no airstreams yeah so uh you know, it's funny. I I love RVs like a lot of people and Mercedes is actually at the big RV trade show uh, right now. And, and we'll be bringing back a bunch of really great posts since he was telling me all about it. And, you know, we, we share an affinity for RVs and campers. And uh, I... I have thankfully, by being a journalist, which is just a great auto journalist, which is just a great racket, I've had a chance to drive some of the kind of more interesting RVs. And I really like the class B RVs, which class Cs are if you think about like a like a Ford Econoline line with the bed over the top, the really big ones. Those are those are sort of class Cs. Uh, class A's are the like big like tour bus style uh, RVs generally the big flat front, usually with an engine in the back, although not always. Uh, and then Class Bs are the more van-based ones that kind of keep the van si- shape, so like a, a Mercedes Sprinter or the Ram. ProMaster are the two most common ones here uh, in the U.S. And so um, I've driven these Airstreams, the Airstream like the Airstream Interstates, their class Bs, which are based on sprinters, are super, super nice. But they're also insanely expensive, like they're like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, two hundred thousand, two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And the problem is they're only they're clearly designed for retirees. Because they only ever have sleeping for two, and they only ever have, like, sometimes they have a third seat in them, but there's only sleeping for two. It's like not ideal for someone with a family. But the fitted fit,
0: bag holders,
3: too, in them, colostomy bag holders, oxygen tanks. Yeah. 16 places for for golf uh, golf bags, a thing for a rascal. So More I was the like
0: original dispenser, yeah. Okay, exactly,
3: exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, oh, I would never like I love it, but I would never pay that much money. But then on the lower end of the market for some of the RV stuff, they're not really that well built. Um, I was like, I wish Airstream would build like they do in Europe, like it's just a RAM Pro Master one that's got two seats in the front, a little bench in the back, and then a pop-up tent so you can toss the kids up in the tent. Like, that's like seems like the ideal format. So they finally came out with it. They call it the Range Line, and I keep calling it the Ridge Line, and I had to fix the post a couple of times, but it's called <laughs> the Range Line, and it's nice. Now, it's expensive, right? It's $140,000, but compared to other cars in the, the class, it's uh, the other RVs in the class, it's actually a really fantastic deal, I think, the bathroom's in a nice spot. Like it does kind of everything that like, if you're just going to turn key buy an RV for traveling, it, it's kind of just in the sweet Goldilocks zone, sweet spot of a lot of things. Um, and then the other really nice feature about this is there's no propane tank. Um, I really don't mm. like propane tanks and RVs. They're fine, but it, it's, it's not a great solution. Uh, and uh, these Actually, use just a battery pack for power and for heating. Instead of having a hot water tank, it has instantaneous heat, so that it, there's just a little electric, there's a little generator, and it heats up. And then there's actually tubing that runs through the vehicle to to send heat that way, radiated heat through the uh, van, which is pretty efficient. So just a lot of really cool little neat things in one uh, kind of expensive RV. So and you can drive
0: it, and it's not so big that driving it is an ass pain. Like you could actually just drive it. To get groceries, if you had to, and it's not an ordeal.
3: because yeah, you would have, have to be
0: class B, and it's you don't want to drive it anywhere if you don't have to.
3: No, you have to like tow a. You see a lot of RVs now towing cars. Like you don't want to tow a car. Like it's no fun. So this, this you can having driven a few of these, you can you can drive them to the campsite and then drive them somewhere else if you want to. And you know this because it's front wheel drive, which is the nice thing about the Pro Masters is you get a really low flat floor and a lot of room, similar to the minivan discussion. Like you actually have a lot more room with these. Uh, front engine ones, although the Mercedes ones are a little bit nicer to drive, uh, admittedly, and um, the Transits are, are a little bit nicer to drive. But, anyways, RVs. I love RVs. I could do this for like people six love hours. Love RVs. Oh man! I
1: mean, every story we read about RVs, you know, people seem to just love reading about them. They love. Uh, I assume it's partly kind of the ad- adventurous nature. It's kind of similar to why people love overlanding, and it seems yeah. like there's just a lot of potential for someone to offer from the factory, some sort of like VW California type thing. It seems like someone's leaving something on the table. What do you think about that? Bo, Bo, do you think that's an area where there's demand that maybe
2: is worth filling? Oh, this is a sore spot for me. (laughs) Why is that? Oh, well, we saw the transit coming. Actually, Jason, that's how we met is we did the transit Skyliner. I remember that, that's a a fine machine, yeah. Concept as this jetless, like limo type vehicle, but we had actually, ironically, partnered with the old CEO of Airstream. And when the Transit first came out, we were working on packaging to create exactly what I'm looking at here. Maybe not exactly, because it was a little bit of a different design, but we had gone through the entire packaging, uh, really coming up with creative ideas, uh, and all set to go. And we were trying to get the prototypes built and we kind of got screwed over by, you know, one company that was gonna build it. And it was like one fiasco after another. So we never got it built. So not only do I fully believe in this, but we were invested in it. We used to build motorhomes actually back in the, back in the 80s. We were the largest uh, uh, motorhome manufacturer. Actually, my, my family started a, a motorhome uh, a company. So to me, and, and you know, we were famous for kind of starting the whole conversion van industry at Galpin, because that's right. kind of like our core DNA. So we were gonna bring all that together and build this transit van like what I'm looking at today, and it just never made it. So, uh, of course I believe in it. I love <laughs> RVs, I love this whole concept. The way that they package things that you could actually lit, drive in your home Live in this little area, you know it forces you to be outdoors and enjoy things. But when you got to be inside and take a quick shower, shit, shower and shave, you can do it, you know, right away. It's comfortable to sleep in. Oh, yeah. they're the best. I'm, I'm heartbroken, but I'm happy that somebody's building it.
0: <laughs> there is no greater luxury than driving and then just being able to pull over and take a comfortable shit right there in your car. Yes, it really is.
1: Or wild is. driving. Or Jason and I are planning on getting the world, the world uh, land speed record for the fastest dump taken. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's we'll Don't give it on. away.
2: Someone's gonna break it before we get there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we 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 actually welcome the challenge. Yeah, all we'll right. Be. <laughs> yeah. It's time to move on to the mailbag, which yeah. is going to be presented by Matt Hardagree. Right, um, I'm sponsoring right. mailbag today. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 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 Matt, your um, choice. We asked a bunch of readers for questions, and uh, what they come up with,
3: Matt? We got some good stuff here. So this one, this one I think, David, everyone should have, have responses for this. So this is from Eric Ortiz on Twitter. He asked, I want to free up some space in my XJ, or assuming Jeep XJ. So I'm considering a tire carrier. Some rear bumpers with tire carriers look good, but they could be pretty heavy. A hitch-mounted tire carrier could be a lighter route. Since space is only an issue for road trips, what would you guys do? start with david oh you're so
1: If you road tripping you definitely do need a spare i'm actually pro donut <laughs> unless you're going off-roading i'm, pro- I'm actually pro donut spare um because i just i think they're funny and they, they take less space but assuming you don't like donuts um then yeah get don't put it on the roof a lot of people a lot of g people will just throw the tire on the roof that's not a good solution It's an an aero drag problem. It's a center of gravity problem. It's an accessibility problem. It's just don't do it. Get some some kind of, uh, actually what you should do is get the factory rear spare tire carrier, which is hen's teeth, extremely rare. You may never find one, but if you do, it's like this cool tubular thing that comes off the bumper and it looks right. So just search long and far for this uh, factory XJ tire
0: carrier. That's the answer. It swings out and then you can lift the tailgate, right? That's exactly right. Yep. I have an alternate solution that I just think looks cool and is hardly ever done on XJs. And that's, this was big on Land Rovers, and that's the hood mount there, which I think like Arrow, you're going to have a problem, but I do think it has a cool look about it. Like if you, I don't know how, depends on how tall your tire is also, well, but I just sure. think hood spare is cool looking. Not super practical. If you have to lift that hood, you're going to have to take the tire off because it'll be a pain in the ass, but nobody's doing it. And I think it looks cool. What else you did? you think? No, David, David's shaking his head. That's not the end, but, yeah, that's, but that's what that's I. What
1: I
3: need. <laughs> well, I got oh, nothing yeah. here. What else we got? All right. <laughs> so uh, here's a question from Walter McGuinness on Twitter. Fellas, talk to me about when I'll know it's time to sell a vehicle I just use as an appliance for transportation. What am I watching out for? What milestone should I not pass before the value plummets uh, to DT noticing it? Assume I have other fun vehicles, so no sentimentality. Just the Subaru Forester of their discontent. What are they? So when they should sell it? Like at well, what point? I
2: have I have one strange answer, and then and then I'll you know see what you guys think as well. Uh, the market is still insane right now. There there is still uh, trade in values. Car values are the highest. You know, still in, in history. They have come down a little bit. But it is an unusual time in the in the car business right now so if you got an extra car that you don't need that's an appliance now's the time to sell it uh if you but the 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 key issue is the replacement of it so if you can replace something right now is an unusual time to sell an automobile uh with all they're doing to crack down on this economy it's going to start it's uh, values are going to come down on used cars So I see used cars starting to creep down in value. So I don't see them going up again anytime soon. So I think we're gonna start seeing the market continue to go down on used cars. Uh, Used cars are gonna become somewhat affordable again. Late model used cars are gonna continue to rise in value in my opinion, because we have no off-lease cars. So we're gonna have a shortage of newer used vehicles for years. But older used vehicles, I believe the values are going to start coming down on. Now, as far as when a value loses or when a car loses its most value, you know, driving off the lot and those things. Well, we used to have rules that applied, but everything's out the window right now. It it is a completely new world and a new market. So uh, I think new vehicles are going to start holding their values uh, for a, a little bit longer period of time, as well as recently new vehicles so anything 2018-19 should actually hold their values in 2021-22 vehicles will hold their values i think pretty strong for the near future unless something really goes crazy in the economy but the older used cars i believe are going to start tapering down so that's my big picture economic without the individual, okay, here's what a car normally does on a depreciation scale. So anyway, that's my industry outlook perspective. And you,
3: think, you think 2018 is kind of the cutoff before 2018 values will start going down. Like what counts as like a newer?
2: I, I picked that a little bit out of the blue um, and it's probably closer to 2019, certainly 2020. 2020 is when we started getting a true shortage. So 2020, 20, 21, 22, and probably half of 23 will be very short. So we're, we're you know, a, a, a huge, millions of vehicles that normally would be in the used car market that won't be there. Millions. That's a lot. So there's going to be that shortage. And, and certainly from 2020 on, uh, but 2019, where we still had good production eh, and 2018, I think those values will, will, will come down some, but eh. But not as strong as as maybe the older ones. So that that's my
1: opinion. My junkers are gonna start losing their value. I'm I'm a little concerned about that. You what? My, so my older cars are gonna start losing their value, huh? I, I need to get rid
3: of them ASAP. None of your cars no, had yes, you awesome. do, but none of your cars <laughs> had value. That's the problem. Yes. <laughs> Right. You got to start somewhere. You can't start at $5. I,
2: you know, it was really interesting. I remember like when things were really going nuts that even the like completely wrecked vehicles from like, you know, that the body shops were buying, those skyrocketed in value. It's like nothing in the market was, was a deal anymore. And uh, it's, you know, even junker cars, you know, went, went up 40%. So yeah, maybe there is something there, David. I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, instead of, uh, uh, you know, a hundred bucks, you could get 110. <laughs> Heck yeah. I'm going to be rich. Uh,
3: wow. All right. What else we got, Matt? All right. From Palmetto Crafter on Twitter. If you could do it, I don't know effort. if I answered that
2: question, by the way. That's a great no, I mean, no, a a answer.
3: fantastic. it's a Fantastic. That was, that was the answer. If anybody's wondering, yeah, I have nothing yeah, to add to that. That's world. a great answer. No notes. He yeah. knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you could do this is from Palmetto Crafter. If you could do an epic group cross-country trip, where would you go and what vehicle would you choose? Starting with Jason,
0: cross-country in America. I guess you mean
3: yeah, presumably okay. in America. What vehicle would I choose?
0: I would want if it's going to be an epic cross-country trip. I want it group to, group cross-country trip group cross-country. So I get it. Oh. I got to pick vehicles for everyone.
3: Either you pick vehicles
0: for everyone, or you're all in one vehicle. I think it's one vehicle with a bunch of people in it. One vehicle, but so okay, so a lot of people to fit in a vehicle. Okay, I would want something weird and big and roomy. Um, you know, like the default answer would be like a VW bus, but that's too played out. But you know what I've always wanted to drive? Bo actually has one a DKW Schnellaster, the DKW microbus thing. It's a three cylinder, two stroke vehicle, plenty of room inside, lots of windows. And I bet that thing is entertaining to drive. So I would, I would do a Schnell Aster. I bet I could fit six to eight people happily in one of those things. I think we'd be going back roads because I doubt that thing will hold more than 50 miles an hour. But I bet we could have a fantastic time in a Schnell Aster, mixing the oil and the gas for the two stroke. And, and it's you know, I don't think there's carpet in there so we can just hose it out when we need to. I
2: feel like, uh, yeah, I, I want to go in a Schnell Aster.
0: I think that's what I'm going to pick. And it'd be
2: a cross-country trip like the Oregon Trail. Just it would take yeah, months it to would do. Be- Tedious and long,
0: and the North- weird smoky exhaust—we'd all smell ridiculous afterwards. Yeah, I think a Schnellaster is the right choice for this one.
3: Per- perfect, Davis.
0: Hmm, okay. depends if it's three people. We'll say it's three people
1: as a group. The, then I, I think I want something with a bench seat so we can keep go in mind while. all the
0: groupies. All the groupies we're going to be picking up as we cross country because there's going to be a lot nah it's
1: gonna be three of us (laughs) um so it's gotta be it would have to be a bench seat so that we can hang out like buds three three wide
0: (laughs) okay i like this (laughs) idea i know i'm gonna get stuck in the middle too because i'm the shortest but keep going oh you
1: absolutely are
0: gonna be right next to the gear (laughs) shift.
1: yeah all right fantastic go ahead um, let's see um i think it would be um depends on the country but i'm thinking like um I think your old Ford truck would be great, Jason. Like, an oh, really? O-lay, just an F truck. B- because here's the thing: that thing could break down in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and just go to the local farm store, and they yeah. have the parts for it. That we're is at true. least gonna make the trip in that, and everyone's gonna love that. Uh, no one, no one hates a night a late '80s Ford F-150 with a bench seat and a long bed. It's the most lovable car in every environment.
0: Anyway, <laughs> that's my answer.
2: All
1: right.
0: I mean, you're not wrong. You can get parts for that thing in a grocery store. So, yeah, I, I believe that.
2: Okay. Well, I, I would have a completely different take on everything. <laughs> yeah. So, not. Uh, 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 you, you know, I, 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 I guess I'm an old man with a bad back now, or at least that's how I feel. And I'm just going, man, that sounds very painful for a long trip. Are we allowed to take that Airstream van that we just. You know, yeah. Started? Yeah. 100%. That's a good call. I would 100% take that. Yeah, um, because I want to be able to pull over and do go to the, you know do whatever I need to do. I want to be sure. able to sleep sure. on the road because you asked also where where would you go? And the answer is, it really doesn't matter because it would be about the journey, not the destination. So I would okay. want to be as comfortable as possible on the road. And I, honestly, what I would do is and I probably got the idea from John Lasseter. But he did a trip before he uh, made cars just on Route 66 to so go to all the old places that used to exist that the highway bypassed uh, when they built it. So to go through and see all the weird roadside things that I've heard about all my life. I want to see the largest ball of string. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the world's largest peach or whatever <laughs> weird side show kind of things that sure. mystery spot. I never knew what that mystery spot is. What What is that mystery spot that everyone used to talk about? That's where I want to go. Do those weird things along Route 66, not worry about where, where we're going or when we're going to be there, but uh, just enjoy the journey and not worry about the destination. That sounds lovely. You know, I kind of made it, you know, when
0: we, when I crossed from LA to move out here, I bought an old 77 Dodge RV and, well, I, I had to do all the driving because my wife refused, but my wife and kid were basically in a living room while we were driving and they were like playing Wii and eating pizza rolls. And it is a fantastic way to make a journey. That's Heck you're yeah. absolutely right with that. Yeah,
3: I'm going to borrow that range line and just come visit y'all. That's my next trip to LA. I'm just going to borrow <laughs> that thing and then just drive all the way down and pick you up and you guys can all drive back. Uh, oh,
2: I'll just
3: be the driver. You guys can just sit back and shit and eat. It'll be great pizza rolls also <laughs> seem perfect. Yeah, um, awesome. this is a good one uh from uh, for our for our friend untitled car show. Um Fiero, great car or greatest car? Hmm. great car Late, or greatest? Ones, you
0: thinks... Yeah cuz they yeah, think... they changed a lot in the two, the two Gary ones I
1: think are greatest car. Actually, you know what? Yeah, the answer is greatest car because the Fiero brought a mid-engine platform to the masses. I, a friend of mine in uh, in Detroit, uh, MR2. He, he just he just put a big, sure, but not to the same degree. I mean, okay, the arrow you can buy for eight hundred bucks. Slap a freaking Chevy small block in it, and you have a mid-engine sport like freaking firecracker. It, it's
0: awesome. Yeah, and they, that front end, it was just the transverse front engine from uh, all the other compacts they made, right? Like it wasn't. They didn't even bother changing anything, I think. Oh, I think oh the it. engine,
1: I think it started with a did it not have an iron duke in it to begin with.
0: It I think did, it, may have, it did. Yeah. yeah. And then
1: it went to the two point, I want to say eight on four.
0: Pieces. I, I remember when I when I Never ran lemons, the, the, the people who had the paddock next to us were running uh Fiero. And the one the one thing about it that I found uh difficult was that to get to anything, they basically had to take the entire car apart. You had to drop the engine to get to anything because it's so crammed there. <laughs> but it is at the same time a fantastic little mid engine car. And where else you can get a dirt cheap mid engine car? I agree with David on that one.
3: All right. That's so we're gonna cool. do Great, greatest car. That's the answer. All right, we're gonna do some. We're gonna do some quick, uh, real quick to to get through this. We have a few more. We're gonna do the lightning round from uh, from our buddy Ash, who works at Geely or maybe Lincoln Co. Uh, oh, over yeah. in China. Uh, how did the name Autopium come to be? And who smells the nicest out of the three of you?
0: Probably Bo for both. Definitely Bo on the smelling nice Yeah, stuff.
2: and it was Bo's right idea. Now. That was your name, right, Bo? Uh, it was. Um, you know, I grew up going to Disneyland and driving the Autopia, and it really means the, uh, you know, the ultimate, uh, fantasy of, uh, of driving. And I, I thought to, uh, to put that into a, into a term of a, to personalize it for all of us to be an Autopian means that we strive for a perfect automotive society. Maybe it's not, uh, doable because it's a vision of perfection uh, but I think that's what uh, what the idea was, was to look at automotive culture across the spectrum. And anyone that's into any type of automobile that has a love and a passion for it, to me, is an utopian And if we can bring everyone's passions together, so no matter what kind of car you love, it could be, you know, we all have very different uh, tastes from, you know, exotic to crappy to functional, the truck to, you know, to RVs and everything in between. But if you have a love for it, uh, to me, you're an utopian. So that's what it's creating this uh, world where all of us can enjoy the thing that we love the most, and not judge one another, because we all doesn't matter which one we love, as long as we love the automobile, you know, we're an utopian, So that's where
0: it came from. A, a note for the uh, editor. Let's put some rising like uh, like uh, music in the background of Bo's speech. There. Maybe <laughs> the, the national anthem, I think, would be great. No,
3: that was amazing. I'm not going to ask any more questions. We're going to end on that because that is that is beautiful. It is beautiful.
0: beautiful. And oh, as far as the smelling part, though, goes, uh, it's again, probably Bo mm. again, although my wife does occasionally so. buy me good cologne that I will wear occasionally, but um, I can't claim I always smell good by any means.
2: I'm going with torch on this one, at least for today. No, oh, there we, we all go. Know, we kind of know where David falls. I love you, David. Yeah. but but no one know. thinks David. You're we working no. hard. Well, it depends oh. on
1: what you
0: like to smell. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I bad. actually like the smell of gasoline. So I do David too. My smell yeah, good. Maybe it is David. Okay, yeah, yeah. maybe, 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 maybe. Let's give it to David. What the hell.
3: Yeah, fast orange. He smells on a good day. He smells like fast orange. <laughs> that's true. <That's> yeah, okay, <laughs> We're going
0: David. We're going All David. right. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Oh,
3: one, one bit of Autopian
0: name trivia. The logo was inspired, and the first version's from the uh the Studebaker Avanti badge. So there's there's another little oh. bit of something fun. Yeah. Amazing. That's
3: cool. Wow, I think that's it yeah. for, for mailbag. Uh like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Please, yes. Say leave us nice reviews on, Love it, on, Matt. on Apple, a podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank Matt.
1: You. Yep. Well, that's um that's it for this episode of the Utopian podcast. Uh um, yeah. Matt may have mentioned, like, subscribe, like
0: please do. Please, yeah, and good review. Like there is are important. If you like what we're yes. doing and want us to keep doing it, say nice things so other people scrolling through will see it and believe it and try it out. Cause that's important or if you hate it, uh tweet at Jason and say uh Yeah, tell me. That's yes. the best way. Tell me why you hate. I'll give you my home address and you can just send me an angry letter or a, a dog turn in no, a shoebox. Either way. Yeah. All awesome. right. Thanks, guys.